There's nothing good that came from crack cocaine. People were selling crack to their mothers, stealing from their grandmothers, selling their children for prostitution. And it did more damage in 10 years, in my opinion, than slavery did. I know a lot of my, my militant brothers would probably debate upon me and they'd probably say the fact that crack cocaine was introduced by the CIA and all of those type of things, which is proven to be a little truth to that. But I say the effects that it did for destroying family, taking brilliant minds and making people homeless, giving pedophiles and perverts the opportunity to take advantage of our children that were left alone, businesses and, and legacies and lands that were lost. So in my opinion, crack cocaine did more damage than slavery did. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. Today, we're going to celebrate my dear friend Ricky Floyd's birthday. God bless you, Ricky. Happy birthday, and welcome to the show. Man, 56 years. And, and the interesting thing is I never thought I would have made it this far. I can remember thinking that I wouldn't make it to 2000. So I'm grateful, truly grateful to be here. It was back in 1967 on January 14th yeah. when a young 15-year-old yeah. Your mother yes. gave birth to you in the poorest state, in the poorest county in Mississippi. Yeah. And I add to that, she probably was the poorest person in the poorest state, in the poorest county, because she was the stepchild out of about 13 children and uh, was not well received, not supported. So when you talk about poverty, extreme poverty, that's where I started at. When you look back at these past 56 years, when you think about how God has led you, what does that do to you? you know, it's very humbling. Uh, I like to say that I am proof that the gospel is real, that, the, that, that Jesus uh, is a redeemer, a restorer, a reviver, that he'll give you other chances, and that, that if you apply the biblical principles of God, which is love, faith, hope, man, God can make something out of nothing. That's so beautiful. And in your honor, recently, a street in the city was named after you. We now have Ricky Floyd Avenue. Yeah. A year ago, I couldn't imagine that. And the beautiful thing about that, it was more so for my mother. She had a couple of health challenges this year and my grandchildren. I wanted my mother to see it before she passed away. And I wanted my grandchildren to be there before I passed away. And so to see the acknowledgement of city officials and, and business leaders and church members about the impact that we've had on that community of Frazier to honor, when I say us, not just me, because I understand had it not been for my rod and my staff, my family members, church members, and other people of partnership in the community, yes. that there would be no streets named after me. And so it, it, it's just a extreme level of gratitude. I probably had one of the highest weekends in my life this weekend with a great birthday celebration in the naming of this street. And something happened that if you would have told me would have happened a year ago, I would have never believed it. I have a picture with my mom sitting down and my biological father on one side and me on the other side. And we're kissing my mother. If you would have told me a year ago, if you would have told me a week ago <laughs> that that would have happened, I couldn't have believed it. So yeah, God is doing some major things for me in this season. You know, Ricky, we are remembering the life and legacy of yeah. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Mm -hmm. this week with MLK Day. 
50 national holiday uh, this past Monday. Of course, his birthday on the 16th, mm-hmm. close to your birthday, yeah. and a couple of days difference. How has Dr. King's life and ministry influenced you the most? You know, uh, a lot of people probably hadn't put it together, but when Martin Luther King started the Poor People's March, the Poor People Campaign, it started probably less than uh, 20 miles away from where I was born at. And so even Martin Luther King recognized and acknowledged that that place, and I don't think that's an accident that he started the Poor People's Campaign from there, went to Washington, D.C. to talk about poverty and the fact that he uh, died in Memphis, Tennessee, and Memphis, Tennessee is unfortunately uh, the lead in many poverty categories. And I feel like there's a mandate on me uh, to address the issue of poverty and to show people the responsibility that the church has to teach economic empowerment along with spiritual responsibility, that, that economic accountability is spiritual responsibility as well. And so that's something that our church has taken on. Uh, We have uh, courses that are teaching people about savings, courses about credit responsibility, stewardship, uh, because poverty, I say poverty is one of the most profitable businesses in Memphis, Tennessee. And it's a business that we want to begin to make fail. Well, and we look at the crime in our city. It's all attached. It's all connected, right? It's a chain. It's a ball and a chain that people who are bound to poverty, hopelessness, stress, which all of it adds up to drug addiction, sexual addiction, criminal activity, school dropouts. Uh, And again, I feel that the church has a responsibility to hold people accountable. There's a scripture that a lot of people don't want to deal with. It says money answers all things, and money is a defense. And so a lot of the reason that people are being offensive and offended is because they don't have a defensism called a good stewardship with money. Referring back to Dr. King and the celebration of MLK Day, his daughter, Bernice King, said leaders, especially politicians, too often cheapen her father's legacy into a comfortable and convenient king offering easy platitudes. Oh, my God. I, I didn't read the whole article, but she, I saw something that she posted that I, I, uh, I said yesterday, I said, uh, I'm getting to the point that I'm really challenged on Martin Luther King Day. And I said, hashtag the fake is real. It, and the reason that I said that is because it, it seems like we just get emotionally hyped. And, and it's almost, and a guy named Roby Williams said, it is the Santa Clausification of Christmas that Christmas has become so Santa Claus focused that it has lost its Jesus focus. And I almost feel like that uh, with MLK Day is that we become so event driven that we haven't become transformation driven. We haven't been committed to changing the community and changing people's lives. We're just committed to who's going to have the most biggest, highly celebrated highly celebrity participated event and there's no life's changed. Yeah. Now there was an event in Memphis. I think you participated in on MLK day, which was the race for reconciliation. Can you recap that? And why is this event? I think the second annual time that they had it, why is this important? Well, it's important. And this, this is an interesting twist for you. I had three generations at the event. My spirit would not allow me to go. Uh, I actually went to Frazier, and we have we have a regroup boutique. Hope we get to talk about that later. And I took a young man who was in juvenile 
about two months ago. And he went with me and we went to work because one of the last thing that Martin Luther King emphasized right before he got killed. And some say this is the real reason that he was killed, because he began to talk about the responsibility of economic empowerment and the leverage of of wealth and finances. And some people uh, allege that that's the real reason that he was killed in the latter days. So I was convicted that this boutique that we have to empower, educate, mentor young boys that Martin Luther King would have been more pleased with me doing that that day, spending time with that young protege, teaching him economic empower than than me running. You know, some people might say that's the easy way out because you don't want to run. <laughs> no, you, hey, you shared a video with me of that event that took place, the young man yes. uh, getting together with a lawmaker, was it? Wow. You, you know, and, and this is what gave me peace because, you know, I'm, I'm on the board of race and I'm totally committed to racial reconciliation. So. Uh, For me to not go to that, I was feeling some kind of way on the inside. But what gave me peace about it was I had a 15-year-old boy who was in juvenile courts two months ago because he broke the law. And he got to spend an hour with someone who writes laws. State Representative Antonio Parkinson, who told the boy, had it not been for the grace of God, that at 14 he had a gun and was going to school to shoot four people. And somebody snitched on him and stopped him from being one of the first mass shooters in school in Houston, Texas. And so here's a young man who's growing up in the inner city, very tough situation, and a gang of fists, gang infested neighborhood, been to juvenile several times. But he's sitting with two men I call it men of influence, influencing a young man to become a man of influence. He's sitting with us and we're telling him the transparency of where we messed up, what we did wrong. But we're also telling him our commitment to him, what it took us 50 years to do, he can do in 25 years. This next question, I want you to think about it before you answer. Did crack cocaine do more damage to the black community in 40 years than slavery did in 400 years? You know, that's a serious question that I wish I could say I was the originator of that question. I saw somebody did a a little video on it, man, and that question just made my mind begin to run. That's a serious question. 400 years. They actually said 10, but I think we're, we're approaching 40 years of the crack being introduced to America. So that's why I said 40. But when you look at slavery, Slavery caused the African-American community to bond together. It caused them to pray. It caused them to try to do economic empowerment and build towns together. There's nothing good that came from crack cocaine. People were selling crack to their mothers, stealing from their grandmothers, selling their children for prostitution. And it did more damage in 10 years, in my opinion, than slavery did. I know a lot of my my militant brothers would probably debate upon me and they'd probably say the fact that crack cocaine was introduced by the CIA and all of those type of things, which is proven to be a little truth to that. But I say the effects that it did for destroying family, taking brilliant minds and making people homeless, giving pedophiles and perverts the opportunity to take advantage of our children that were left alone, businesses and and legacies and lands that were lost. So in my opinion, crack cocaine did more damage than slavery did to the African-American community. You've alluded to a little bit of this a moment ago, but as we talk about the church's role in Memphis crime, this isn't just in the city, this is in the suburbs, this is everywhere. 
You know, when you talk about the suburb, I, I think one of the things, you know, I said I should get a Nobel Peace Prize if I'm able to articulate the importance of these two words to the body of Christ, and that is our Father. When the disciples ask Jesus to teach us how to pray, it's crucial that we realize that the first two words that he said, and prayer means to communicate with God. And basically, God is saying, don't even come to me if you're coming to me with a solo mindset. If you're not, if your prayers are not about impacting and infecting, affecting the lives of other people, then, then I don't want to hear it. We, we have not, the body of Christ has not done a good job of building relationships with our brother across the other side of town or across the other educational perspective or the other denomination or the other neighborhood that doesn't look, walk, talk, chew like us. We've done a horrible job, and I, I'm not afraid to say it. We've done a horrible job at recognizing and acknowledging that he's our yes. father. He's not just my father. He's not just your father. When we get to the revelation that we understand that he's our father, I got a brother that's different than me, but he's still my brother. Yes. And when we're at odd with each other, it brings dishonor to our father and it makes the family look bad. Yeah. And we can't, we can't persuade people to join the family if the brothers are fighting. Well, they'll know you're my disciples. Oh, my God. If you love one another. Yes, that's how they're going to know. Not, not by how great our sermons are, how big our buildings are, how much money that we make in. They're going to know that you're mine by how you interact with your brother. Watch this. And I want to add this to it that doesn't look, talk, walk, sing, worship like you. Well, and we always have a tendency to interpret the scripture that fits our oh comfort zone. When the word says, love thy neighbor, as you mentioned, your neighbor is not yeah. going to necessarily look like yes. you, act like you. There's yes. going to be some differences. Yes. But we need each other. That's what makes the body of Christ. And I need your differences. Yes. Differences is, are not demonic. Matter of fact, difference is divine. Adam didn't marry another Adam. <laughs> Adam married Eve, who was totally different from him. And we got to understand, in order for covenant to really work, and let me say this, I want to say this publicly. In the next 10 days, the body of Christ, if we don't unite in this city of Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm not talking about surface uniting, I'm talking about really unite to the point that we can have tough conversations, but because I know we love each other and we have the same visions and goals, that we can have tough conversations, get up, walk away from those meetings, and still have a strategy, a vision, a plan that brings God glory. Something's going to happen in the next 10 days that if the body of Christ is not unified in the city of Memphis, chaos is going to erupt. And so, man, we need to pray we need to bond together. We need to honor and respect each other's gifts and talents. We need to acknowledge areas that you're strong in and that I'm weak in. And will you help me? Will you let me help you? A faithful member of your church, I believe she was a member of your church yeah. and successful black business owner, asked you recently, Whew. could you please refer her to two black wow. entrepreneurs who had partnered together in business and were successful? What did you tell her? Man, you're good. <laughs> you're the best of the best, brother, with, with your question. You know, it was very disheartening to me that I could not tell her two African-American businesses who had joined together 
and that were successful. Now, she was asking because she's considering going in partnership with another person, and she just wanted me to guide them to somebody to give them a role model on how to be successful. And not only was it a shocker to me, I asked some more successful black business owner in the city of Memphis, and they couldn't give me anybody to. So, so that, that's, that's sad. You know, one of the goals that I have, and even with this, you have to be tender because when I make a statement like this, sometimes the, the white body of Christ will think this is anti-white. But I feel that I have assignment in the Frazier area to create a reassemble what's, what was called the Black Wall Street. I don't know if you ever heard of that in Oklahoma, in the Tulsa area. And it was an area where Christian business people, uh, and it was in like the 1920s. And they had movie theaters, businesses, restaurants, hotels, and they were top flight restaurants. And it was a tight-knit community where they employed, they empowered, they engaged. And I really feel that that's my assignment for the Frazier community. We're buying properties. I'm selling property that I have that's not in Frazier. And we're focusing our energy on that strip right where they name after me. Where Let me tell you what we got going right now. The Regroup Boutique that we just opened up, we have nine employees, all uh, all live within walking distance of Frazier, all worship in Frazier. Many of the children go to school in Frazier. And so what we're doing is, you know, how are you going to transform a community? You got to give enlightenment. You got to give empowerment. You got to give encouragement. You got to give engagement. And uh, out of our young boys that are on our staff, they were either, all of our young boys were in one of these categories a year ago. Homeless, juvenile court, lakeside, gang-infested neighborhoods, or, uh, let me see, yeah, I think that's all. So now what we've done is through our mentorship, special, labeled special education in high school, and so what we've done is we've taken boys that will be the number one prospects for criminal activity in our community. We've put every one of them in neckties and suits, and we've taught them customer service on a level that people feel like they just left Saks Fifth Avenue when they left there. No woman touches the door coming in, touches the door going out. They don't open their car door when they go out. They don't carry their bags out. And we hear this. I've never experienced this in my life. It's not uncommon for our boys to get 10 and $20 tips. Tell me about this space. Tell me the name yeah, of it again. It's called the Regroup Boutique, Upscale Re- Boutique. Okay. It's actually Regroup Upscale Thrift Boutique. And so it's a combination of uh, new items that people have donated, slightly used items. And, man, when I tell you, I believe God has given me an answer for gang prevention, pregnancy prevention, school dropout prevention, poverty, and blight control, all in one whop. We're hiring inner city boys, and we're hiring senior women. Now, the Bible says, take care of the orphans and the widows. And so at this place, what we're doing, man, I'm, I'm so excited. I'm stumbling <laughs> over my words because uh, what God showed me is coming to pass. And so you have people in a community where some incomes Individual incomes is less than 8000 a year. And then you have a mother who's able to come in and buy three children's clothes for less than $100. And to see people almost cry. I love to turn the register around and let them see how much it costs. 
and to see them in shock, look at what they cost. And because we own the business and a lot of it is donated, we've been able to have, we had a, we had a, a grandmother who took in two children who were brothers and sisters to a mother that got killed that had 10 children. And we were able to tell the grandmother and the two children to come in and y'all have a shopping spree on us. And they walked away with bags that they were able to get for free because of what we're doing in their community. So we're seeing people come in donating stuff and then leaving with stuff at the same time. Another great story is we had a, a retired postal worker and his wife came in, bought a lot of amazing stuff, saw a little girl buying a prom dress. They bought the girl who had a single, single parent mother. They bought her the prom dress, the shoes, the purse, and the jewelry. So the mother, the postal worker, the child are all there praying and crying together because <laughs> oh. of God is moving. So we're oh, seeing Pastor. some major things happen in the community with that. Pastor Ricky, this is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, this is the body of Christ yes. showing up. This is teaching people how to fish, showing them how to fish, absolutely. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we've got requests in six different cities to reduplicate this already. St. Louis, Atlanta, West Memphis, Arkansas, Jackson, Mississippi, Hazelhurst, Mississippi, Atlanta. So people are saying, I asked them to give me six months to perfect it. But this is something that we believe in the next yep. five years, we'll have it in 15 cities. Well, we need our listeners to respond by yeah. making some, I don't mean just they're wholly ready to throw in the trash clothes. We're talking about yeah, thank some you. gently used and maybe some brand new that yes. they couldn't fit into it somebody gave yes. it for Christmas yes. instead of taking it back. So what can we do to help stock this Man, boutique? I'm so glad you said that because the only way that they were going to make it is volunteers, donations, prayers, people sowing seed to it. So, yes, 3754 North Watkins, 3754 North Watkins. If nobody's not there, you can bring it right across the street to the church, 3759 North Watkins. And, yes, shoes. Purses, neckties, belts, suits, shirts, skirts, dresses. We even take in some wigs. <laughs> Man, to see guys come in and are able to walk away with sometimes brand new suits for under $30, the esteem that we're seeing in our community. You know, I wasn't supposed to open yesterday, and a grandmother came in and was able to buy two of her grandchildren thing, and she said, we need you open every day, she said, because if you're not, Frazier has 50,000 residents, and she said, we got to drive all the way to Millington to get something like this. Wow. And so it's a convenient and a covenant relationship that's changing our community. Pastor, I love it. Thank you so much for the investment, yeah. the labor, and just taking it forward, yeah. man. I really yeah. appreciate you sharing that. Well, we start to wrap up. There's one thing I want you to comment on. Mm -hmm. Being wanted feeds the ego. <laughs> Being valued feeds the soul. And I think this yeah. really fits into exactly what we're talking about. When we talk about being valued mm -hmm. and how that feeds the soul. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I ask the questions. I get invited to a lot of pastor leadership and church growth conference. And one of the number one questions that I start off with, if your church left your community today, how many days would it take the community to figure out that you're gone? And for some, it won't be to Thanksgiving time till they give out baskets. To some, it won't be to back to school time. You know, with the Pursuit of God Transformation Center, we've got something going on almost 30 days out of the month at our church. And I feel like if we were gone five hours, <laughs> people would be asking questions. That's because we bring value 
to the community. Some people want you to come, but what are you bringing? When we were in a strip mall, we were believing God for our first church building. And there was a lady who attended David Yanji Cho's church from Korea, which was the largest church in the world at the time. And so they were known for prayer. I went down and asked her, I said, hey, we're believing God for this building. We were in the strip mall with her. And I said, we need you to pray that we get this new building. And she said, oh, you you leave? I said, yeah, we want to leave and get a new building. She said, oh, no, we don't pray you go. We pray you stay. (laughs) And so that just shows you the impact that we had had. Matter of fact, there were Muslims next door to us, Village Mark, that recognized the value that we were bringing, that they gave us a car. And they would give, the Muslims would give our members a 20% discount if they walked in the store and said, hallelujah. Did you hear what I just said? (laughs) Hallelujah. The Muslims (laughs) would give our members, because of the impact that we were having on the community, the Muslims, they didn't want us to say assalamu alaikum. If we said hallelujah, they would give us a 20% discount on that store. So that's what we, the value that we added to the community made people of other races and even other religion value the fact of what we were bringing to the community. Pastor Ricky Floyd, God bless you, my brother. I was just thinking about three words I try to reflect on often when I think about our Heavenly Father. He's holy, righteous, mm-hmm. and good. Yes. He's so good. Yes. And to see the blessings that he's pouring out through the ministry of Pursuit of God Transformation Center in our city in Frazier. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming back and sharing the story. Happy birthday. Yeah, thank <laughs> I you. I love you, my brother. Thank you. Your love has been consistent and proven, and I'm grateful for it. I love you as well. Okay, now, we want to let friends know to come worship with you. Yeah. Service times? Service times, 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. On Wednesday nights, since the pandemic, this is the first January the 4th, is we started midweek service, and we have about seven different classes. We've got a Think and Grow Rich class. We've got a class on anger management. We've got a class on how to be saved, single, and satisfied. We've got a fitness class. We've got a class that you can bring your children to, and we will help them with their homework. Two of the reasons that people say they don't attend midweek Bible studies, they got to cook for the kids or they got to help the kids with homework. Well, we take care of both of those at six o'clock. We have a free meal. Everybody eat fellowship. Your families can sit down together. And man, we were blown away. We've got almost a 60 percent attendance on Wednesday night. And there's a as an euphoric excitement in the air of people coming to church on Wednesday night, excited about the fellowship. So we're 3759 North Watkins, six o'clock if you want to eat with us on Wednesday, seven o'clock if you want to go straight to the classes and then 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Well, as always, you're welcome here. Thanks for joining Bot Radio today, my brother. Thanks for sharing the story. Thank you so much for your (laughs) consistency in helping the community, man. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.